0: God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you to today's message with Brother Marty. In this message, he speaks on the man of sin, known as the Antichrist, and the mystery of iniquity. Now, we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit says. Now, let's tune in to today's message.
1: We have several days ahead of us, so uh, I'm not gonna. This subject cannot be uh, approached in a hurry, because you're gonna hear some things. Some of you know these things, but some of you don't. And uh, I believe that God is revealing things in our time and at this hour, that that is sending forth a presence of His Spirit into His people's hearts. <laughs> Those of you who have gray hair like me, we're old enough to remember that this country wasn't always the way it is now and the world as we are witnessing it was not even close to the world that I grew up in. But because some of you are younger in here, you're not really uh, familiar with how the world was then as to how it is now. It just seems like it's always been this way, but make no mistake about it, things are happening that are moving the world in a direction that is going to bring us into a place that unless we are ready, it will literally take us by surprise. See, the Apostle Paul told us that day that's coming should not come upon you unaware. It should not startle you if you are in the body of Christ. Now, there's a lot that purports to be the body of Christ nowadays. But in truth, it is a false church that has emerged on a global scale. See, that makes everybody happy, right? But there's a true church that has been shut away with God and has been seeking him and has been sensing the call of the spirit to draw closer to him. Are you awake? Amen. It's the last time I, we get you boats. I'm kidding. T- I'm t- <laughs> I asked you to be praying. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. (laughs) I know you were. I know you were. I'm just so glad you're here. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you open them to 2 Thessalonians? We're going to go through the scriptures tonight, and I want to, we're going to, this is just the beginning of a series of messages over the next several nights. Um, Sister Debbie, would you come here for a minute? Yesterday, last night, we talked about Lot, as Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. And after the service, when we were driving home, Sister Debbie told me something. A friend, a great intercessor back in Louisiana, called her, I think, or she called her, and they began to pray. And something really unique happened, and I want her to share that with you so that you'll know, I believe, we are right in the presence of the Lord with what we've been studying and begun to study this week. Tell, tell them about that.
2: Okay, um, I do not know how many of you know Miss Kathy from Louisiana, do you remember her? So uh, I called her uh, to pray over these meetings with me and we were praying over the phone and we were just moving in the spirit and yielding one to another. And at one point she just spoke out, um, there's an appointed time this time next year Uh, you will have a son. And she said that a couple of times. And uh, then we just continued praying. And when she said it, it just like leapt in me. And uh, we talked about it for a little while. But then when Brother Marty preached last night, that, I don't know if you noticed, that's where he ended his sermon. He had no idea about our prayer time. And when she spoke that out, it was really out of left field. I just bore witness with it in my spirit. So then when he preached and he ended with that word, you know, and we were praying for these meetings. And um, I'm just going to throw this in. It was, as, a, as, a, as a person who's called to pray, and I always fall, feel that I fall very short of that, but as a person who's called to pray, it was so encouraging to me because when you pray so often, you're, you're praying by faith. You're praying for a lost loved one, you're praying for a meeting, you're, you're praying by faith, you don't always feel anything, you don't always get a phone call that, oh, you, you know, this happened, and sometimes we won't even know what the effect of our prayer was till we get to the other side. And so he sends those, those little signs sometimes to let you know, I'm in it. When you come before me and you say, here I am to pray, here I am to worship, I'm in it. And I'm moving, whether you understand it or not.
1: Praise God. So did you understand that? (laughs) They were in their prayer time, and as they were praying and interceding, that came forth out of the precious sister. And and, uh, she's this beautiful African-American lady, and she's a prayer warrior. She took care of us when we traveled a lot and would take care of our home, and she always prayed over us. And so when when we moved in the word last night and we came to the point of Abraham and, and the Lord visiting him just before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he tells Sarah and Abraham that one year from that point that they would give birth to a son. Isaac even in their old age and we talked about last night how that's a type if you will not a setting a date but that God will visit his people in this hour and reveal his to his true church that that our heavenly Isaac is about to come just before the the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah so when she said he shall we will uh, return to you at this time next year that's what came out of her mouth when she was praying and I had no idea. So when, that's where we ended our message last night, pretty much. And so when we were driving home, that, that just blessed me because I knew, wow, God's speaking. God's, that's what God is saying. Are you, are you, are you awake? Yes. All right, we'll get on the devil with a short stick and we'll knock him out, all right? All right, open your Bibles, please, to Second Thessalonians. Fasten your seat belts, and here we go. See what the Lord says. Second Thessalonians, let me know when you're there. Praise God. Anybody else? Everybody's there? Second Thessalonians chapter two. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica and he says this beginning with the first verse. He says, he says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That you be not soon shaken in your mind or troubled either by your spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. That the day of the Lord or the day of Christ is at hand. See, the early church had not yet understood that that 2,000 years had to go by. They were under intense persecution. They were suffering for their faith and it was shaking people. They had people coming, giving them false prophecies, saying that Jesus is about to come. And as a result of this, as time went on, they got more and more perplexed and confused because he hadn't come. And so the Holy Spirit tells Paul, don't be shaken in verse two. Don't be troubled in your spirit or your mind or by a word from some person who doesn't know what they're talking about or a letter even if we sent it to you, because uh, telling you that the, that the Lord's about to re- appear. He says, let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means. Now listen to this. For that day will not come, and that man of sin uh, shall not come, uh, <coughs> except there comes a falling away first. Well, and then he says what? And that, that, that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Pay attention to that phrase, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God, will sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Or that he is God. He's trying to show himself that he's God. Now remember you that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is holding this event. What event? The coming of the Lord. Now you know what is withholding that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets or holds it all back, he will hold it back until he is taken out of the way. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a restraining force that is literally holding back the evil that, 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 that was to come and is to come upon the face of the earth. But what Paul is revealing to the early church is that there was an appointed time in the future that was yet to come. And that, and that many things would have to transpire first. But he says this, he says, he says that until he's taken out, out of the way, and once he's taken out of the way, he says, then that wicked one, or that wicked, shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Praise God and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who's coming, check this out, is after the working of Satan. And, and one of the things that will be indicative of the working of Satan is signs and lying wonders with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God will send them a strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. And they will be all damned who believe not the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask it that in these moments, as we explore thy word, that you would lift us, O Father, into the realm of understanding by thy Holy Spirit. May we glorify the Lord Jesus, who shall destroy that wicked one with the brightness of his coming. For he shall put down all rebellion and all enemies. Give us thy grace, O Lord, as we begin to explore these things. For without you, we cannot delve into the secret things. For the secret things belong to thee, O great Father but the things which are revealed, they belong to us and to our children that we might obey the Lord forever and ever, world without end. We thank you for the defeat of the enemy and we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' holy name, all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. So we know from what we just read that, that the early church was, was confused as to what, it, what, what the time was. Remember they were looking because Jesus had died on the cross, he rose from the dead, uh, on the third day, he spent 40 days walking around, proving who he was. And then he goes to the Mount of Olives and he's caught up in the clouds. And, and they're told that the same way that he came and left will be the same way that he returns, in the clouds. Hmm? We don't, let, let me just keep speaking. So now look, he, he, he tells them something in verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you. Something has to happen first. He says there has to come a falling away first. And the second thing is the man of sin has to be revealed.
3: This word falling
1: away literally means that uh, the falling away, the, the world is already fallen, all right? So the falling away that he's talking about is a time at his time that would be in the distant future When there would be a removing from the old traditions of the established word of God amongst the church. The falling away literally means a removing from orthodox Christianity. In other words, the plain revealed word of God. And that all kinds of crazy doctrines and signs and lying wonders would be running rampant. So he's he's predicting that the church that is coming, this this church, he's telling the church of Thessalonica, it won't be like you. The visible church must come to the forefront, the one that presents itself, as it says in the book of Revelation when Jesus is speaking of the seventh church of Laodicea, one that presents itself as rich, increased with goods, and it has need of nothing. It is proud, it is arrogant, it clothes itself and arrays itself in all its splendor, but it's poor, it's blind, and it's naked, Jesus said. Now, (laughs) this is an important thing because Paul is alerting us to the fact that. When you begin to see this kind of a church emerge in the earth that begins to fall away from the established truths of the word of God, know then that a way is being made for this wicked one that will come. And until the church does this or acts like this, he's restrained from appearing. But there is a mixture of of their spirit that gives itself to false doctrine and no longer loves the constraints and the plainly revealed truth of the word and over time they begin to fall away but this falling away is directly connected to what until there comes a falling away and that man of sin will be unveiled or revealed. As long as there is a church, a visible church, that is, that is, that is putting forth the standard to the world as it's supposed to, he cannot come. But he says, once you begin to see a church emerge that is compromised and looks more like the world than the church like you guys, Thessalonians, Thessalon, Thessalonica know that a pathway by the very act of their rebellion is opening a door that is summoning the demonic, wicked one. He cannot come, he says. And Jesus will not come until all this happens, he says. So is it any wonder that we are seeing what we are seeing today? Do you have eyes to see? Do you have an ear to hear and a heart to receive what God is warning his church about? Now, I'm not speaking these things because I'm trying to, you know, tickle your ears or, you know, people like prophecy and all that kind of stuff or or just be sensational. I am telling you what I am hearing in my prayer closet. What God is speaking and what he is saying is constantly tell my people I'm coming. Now, we talked about Ezekiel the other night where, where, where uh, before they destroyed Jerusalem and burned the temple to the ground, he sent forth his angels to mark the foreheads of the remnant that was left in Jerusalem that was crying out for the sin that they saw mm-hmm. gripping the people of God. Because the people of God had come to a place where they were so into the things of the world, and in their case, it was idolatry and all sorts of sensuality, and they corrupted the house of God. And there was a remnant who had to withdraw from that because they didn't fit in. Hello. Do you fit in in this mega church atmosphere that we experience today, where everything goes? Where Wednesday night prayer meeting has been replaced with bowling night. Oh yes, hallelujah. <laughs> Where the Friday night fast has been given to uh, the, the, a night at the cinema. Let's go to the let's go to the movies. Let's let's ah oh, well you know yeah, they just said a few bad words. No 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 no. What's happening? That you can sit. I, <laughs> so corrupt has it become that even the cartoons that are presented, like Toy Story, for the first time ever. They introduced a toy, knowing that all the, no, they know what they're doing. Yes. Knowing that the people would come, bring their children, and they present a, a, a half spoon, half fork character now. And on its little foot is the rainbow of the LGBT community. And nobody really understands that, are, that, are, that aren't familiar with these things. People don't understand that aren't familiar with this phrase. It's called a spork. In the gay community, a spork is a transgender person. Why are they putting this in a child's cartoon? It's getting real quiet in this Presbyterian church. All right. He says, first the falling away, and then that wicked one is revealed. We know by what we're seeing take place in the church. <laughs> sometimes I know you feel like you're a fish out of water. And, and it feels as if we're being uh, increasingly isolated. And sometimes the enemy will come and try to tell you, You know, you're just too intense or you're just kind of weird. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're just too religious. Don't listen to that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. I am the Lord thy God. I change not. So what's up with you? Remember, we're recording for podcasts around the world. So if it don't apply here, it applies to lots of people listening to me right now. He says in verse 3 let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there comes a falling away first in that we also see that this deception is in that the messages that are preached the falling away and deception are connected the messages that are being preached from our pulpits today it has nothing to do with the lord it's all about how to have a better marriage, how to increase your finances in your business, how to, you know, to be this prosperous, overcoming, Bentley driving, five-star resort, vacation taking, you know, trophy wife hugging, uh, straight-A student kid producing, Christian, because that's Jesus. No, <laughs> oh, man. He didn't come to give you a better car. He came to set you free from your sin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He came to deliver you. He came to set you free. He came to put a new spirit in you and renew your mind and cause you to be translated from the realm of this world and set your sight on things above. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. When I look at the landscape of the church, I see a whole new generation of preachers that are coming up with the weird haircuts, the earrings, the tattoos, the tight little shirts, the skinny jeans that are ripped at the knees, I don't get it. Their churches are darkened now. They don't let the light on, so people don't even read their Bible. They turn the, the, what is supposed to be the gathering place of the house of God into a theater. They have smoke bombs, laser beams. They sing songs about mountains and wind and trees and streams and oceans, and, and then they'll throw in a Jesus every now and then. It is the falling away that we are witnessing. It is the corruption of the church of the living God. Is it any wonder in the book of Revelation chapter 18, he cries and says, come out from among her, my people, and do not partake of her sins. Sorry, I I was going to come preach a nice little message to you. I'm teasing you. I'm not trying to be heavy, but this should encourage you. See, if you know Jesus, the words you're hearing will be an encouragement to you. It will lift us and we'll begin to understand, my God, the Bible's true and Jesus really is coming. Amen. Now, he says this. He says, don't let anyone deceive you because that day will not come except there comes a falling away first. We are witnessing a falling, falling away. That has to happen first. And the fact that we're seeing it, even the mainline denominational churches, we were sharing about this the other day, how at the Presbyterian Church, I forget where, in Florida or in Ohio or somewhere like that. They, they decided they were going to break from orthodoxy and celebrate Gay Pride Month. Are you against homosexuals, Brother Marty? Yeah. Are you supposed to say it that way? I don't know. But they're coming after your children. They're against me. I'm against the devil that's in them. Is there freedom for the homosexual? Yes, if he'll repent and ask God to cleanse him. Was he born that way? No, he wasn't born that way. No, she wasn't born that way. It's a lie. God didn't make a mistake, He made Adam and Eve. They celebrated mainline denomination. They turned the church into a rainbow. Do you see what the devil does? The rainbow doesn't belong to the LGBTQ community. It belongs to God. He said, I set that rainbow in the sky for you so that I could remind myself not to destroy you numbskulls with a flood. Right? That's what he said. But isn't it interesting how the devil takes the rainbow, the very symbol of the days of Noah? And so they turned the church into this rainbow thing. They had candles. I was talking to you about it. And they, they sang a song, God Loves Area, a big old choir thing. And then they invited a cross-dressing, transgender, homosexual person to come to the front of the church. And they gathered the children in a church, the Presbyterian church. And this, this person read uh, from Heroes of the Gay Community. And that was their Sunday school. There's, there's a fight in the Baptist churches. They're fighting now over this, this issue of homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, gender identity, breaking up into factions, calling you evil because you call darkness dark when they call it light. They embrace the darkness. They are being driven by a spirit. It's one thing if they want to do it in, in their part of town. But they're not content with that. They're coming after our children. They're already there. Why was this allowed to happen? America used to be a great nation because her people from from, from every race, from every culture served the Lord God Almighty. It brought forth a blessing upon this nation a great move of the Spirit took place. We had great preachers like like Finney and and, and, and Billy Sunday in the early days and and Billy Graham were, I mean, great preachers. The Wesleys, great revivals. Jonathan Edward, all these men of God that came through this part of the world. And and it, it, it held back. America became, we used to sing songs, God shed his grace on thee. Huh? From sea to shining sea, oh, beautiful for spacious God. What were we singing? That he brought a, a people out of every tribe, every country, every, and literally gave us a promised land because we served him. So why is it that we're seeing such an absolute distortion and confused culture now? Because no longer are we producing godly children, godly marriages, godly men and women of God. And our churches are no longer havens for the holy fire of God to come in and keep the people from the culture of the day. It is because the falling away has taken place that this filth is flooding the land. The fault is not on the people of the world. The fault rests right smack at the doorstep of that which calls itself the church today. (laughs) Hallelujah. You still love me? (laughs) So this man of sin... Is coming. He is the he is the physical embodiment of what is coming out of the people. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13, it talks about John said, I, John, stood upon the sand of the sea, right? Can someone read that to me? Will you read that, Brother Fernando, out loud? Revelation 13, verse 1. It's in the New Testament, brother. You got it? Read it, brother. Read it to me. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Stand up, stand up so everybody can hear you. And I
3: stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea.
1: Where does the beast rise up out of? The sea. The sea. Thank you, brother. Now, what we're taught in scripture later the angel says the sea are the peoples, tribes, tongues, nations, when he's giving John the interpretation. He says this beast comes up out of the sea. The sea being tribes, tongues, nations. It is a collective uh, calling forth out of the very souls of a corrupted humanity that is calling forth this beast Whether they are doing it intentionally or not, it is rising out of the hearts of the people and the fallen church. Because until she falls away, he said, he can't come. But once she begins to fall away, the restraining force, the light that you're supposed to be, a city on a hill, is no longer casting forth its light. And so the world is being dragged into the very depths of an animalistic behavior, a culture gone mad. Something is coming up out of humanity right now. And it will not be stopped. It has begun. No longer are we saying it's coming. Brothers and sisters, it is here. Except there come a falling away first. And notice how it's connected in verse 3. And for you English scholars. Do they call that a conjunction or? Very good, conjunction junction. <laughs> <laughs> and the man of sin is to be revealed. We know he's near because of what we see. Am I scaring you? Good. <laughs> now. What else does he say to us? He says, he's a good preacher. Look at verse 5 because he says, don't you remember when I was with you, I told you these things. What do your preachers preach to you in your churches? Paul said, I'm going to teach you about prophecy and the coming of the Lord. I don't know what, where we went off is so horrible, but we don't hear about the coming of the Lord anymore. Very rare. I mean, we do because we're always hanging out to each other and we're all weird, right? But, but <laughs> we actually want Jesus to come. <laughs> but, but Paul preached to them and said, look, he's coming. Remember, I was with you. I told you these things. And I'm going to tell you again. He's coming. But understand the part that you play, oh, early church, and what you are experiencing is a miniature type of what your brothers at the end of time will realize in their time. He talks about something here, and he says, now you understand what is holding this back, because he has a time in which he will be revealed. It's not your time, but something's holding it back. How can he come when people like you, O Thessalonica, are laying down your lives for the Lord? It restrained the Antichrist. The early church changed the world turned it upside down in the midst of its greatest persecutions, hardened Roman soldiers, as we've talked about before, who witnessed the slaughter of women and children and men who would go down into the Colosseum floor singing the songs of Zion while they would cage their lions and not feed them for weeks so they could be particularly hungry, so that they could use the Christians as sport and tear them apart for their faith. These believers went down into the Colosseum and shed their blood. And today, the the very Colosseum cries out for vengeance for the blood that was shed by our early Christian uh, brothers and sisters. But it was that very intensity and that unrequited love of their Lord and their absolute steadfastness, never to deny him, that brought down the Roman Empire of that time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. I read an account of of a hardened Roman soldier who witnessed this day after day after day in a a world gone mad. And he he would witness their opportunity to deny the faith. I read an account of a husband who was told, all you have to do is proclaim that Nero is God. And and if not, we're gonna we're gonna bring and they would bring they brought his his daughter and, and his wife out from underneath the Roman Colosseum into the arena floor and they told him, just accept him. You can serve your God, but just call Caesar God too. Sounds familiar? You don't have to be so intense. But he refused. He said, don't you realize they're going to be fed to the lions and you're going to have to watch it and then you'll be fed to them too. But they wouldn't. And they would sing to the Lord as they'd go down into the Colosseum. And, and, and the account I read in, I believe it was Fox's Book of Martyrs, says that this one soldier, he was so overcome with the strength that they displayed. These were the legionnaires. These were the hardened Roman soldiers who had dominated the world under the command of the then Antichrist spirit. Rome, the exceedingly great beast. These hardened soldiers, when they witnessed that kind of strength, the kind of strength they had never seen on on the battlefields around the world, it is the strength of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and I read the account where they, they could not abide the, 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 the convicting power of God. He took off his helmet. He laid aside his shield. He unsheathed his sword. He put down his spear. He ungrieved his legs. And he walked down into the Colosseum with them and became born again on the spot. The power of the light that flowed from their lives. It restrained the power of the Antichrist. Of that day. Hallelujah. But Paul says, hey. Something's coming in the future. They won't be like you. They'll be compromised. They'll fall away. For truly they never really knew the Lord as you know him. And because of this, he says. The way will be paved. For the son of perdition, the wicked one. To come forth. Let's hurry. So he says, Now you know. He says, The mystery, verse 7 of iniquity, it's already working. Only he that is restraining it from being its full thing will do so until he's taken out of the way. By who? By the false church. See, I know you've heard this kind of doctrine that says that's the rapture. Well, I'm not here to argue with you. I believe in the rapture. I just think it's an American thing. I know we'll be caught up to meet the the Lord in the clouds because that's what we're told. But the timing of it is uniquely American. See, (laughs) do you still love me? We can agree over eschatology, I hope, or disagree is not a point of salvation, but it is a point of preparation. I mean, the American church thinks it's suffering if it can't get a good parking spot at the mall. (laughs) But, But it is this false church that will remove the influence of the Holy Spirit from itself. It repeats itself. The pattern is seen in the days just prior to the destruction of Judah and the burning down of the temple by the spirit of Babylon. For they would say to prophet Isaiah, to prophet Hosea, and to the other prophets of their day, prophesy unto us smooth things. Don't prophesy to us right things. We're tired of this heavy word you're giving us. They don't want to hear it. Paul said to Timothy, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. And he said, and in the last days, know this, that they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, turning their ears away from the word of God, he said. And giving heed to doctrines of devils. My God. So it is the literal removal and hardening of this visible false church in this hour. That is taking the Holy Spirit out of the way. And it creates a vacuum. This is really heavy. It creates a vacuum, an opening. The spirit, My spirit will not always strive with man. You can make the Holy Ghost go away from you. Grieve not the spirit, he said by your behavior, by your actions, by not bringing into captivity uh, your mind and the thoughts that the enemy throw, everything that you suddenly begin to be chipped away at and, and your resolve begins to be uh, lessened and lessened and lessened until you become uh, unreachable where his spirit can no longer woo you because you have never uh, hearkened to his voice nor obeyed his reproof so you have no counsel from him. He says when he's taken out of the way by this church, what will, this, what will happen? It will leave an empty space. Look at what he says here. He says in verse 4 of this one, this son of perdition, verse 4, he says he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God, what, sits in the temple of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you saying what I think you're saying? I don't know what you're saying. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Scripture has many levels of interpretation. There's only one interpretation, but there's many depths of revelation. Now, Paul taught the church in the Corinthian church. He said, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Spiritually speaking, when they remove the spirit out of the way, the spirit of Antichrist will begin to fill that false church. He will sit there in the empty seat of their hearts and will begin to consume their minds, their spirits, and take full control of the false church in this hour. Now you're really scaring me. He says then, verse 8 that wicked will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume. Hallelujah. So while we're looking at all this negative stuff, all this heavy stuff, also know this, the fact that it's begun and it's happening and it will increase rapidly as we go forward in these days that are upon us. It's going to get faster and faster. He says, but to you, the church, he says, but know this, the fact that all that's happening, means that Jesus is coming. And he's going to destroy it all. He will rescue his church. Hello? You don't sound too happy about that. (laughs) Have I just like freaked you out so bad that (laughs) the revelation of the coming of the Lord doesn't even excite you? That's what Paul is saying. Then the wicked that wicked will be revealed. Who's that wicked? That's the devil himself. All right. Five more minutes, and this is just part one. Part two, tomorrow we will get into some really heavy stuff, but powerfully beautiful, incredible things the Lord is revealing. He says, then that wicked will be revealed. So the Antichrist first, how is he going to sit in the temple of God? Because really all mankind was created in the image of God. Are you awake? We know that the Bible prophesies that there is a mark or, an, or something that is going to be received by mankind. It's coming. I'm, I'm trying to arrange it right now, but I'm going to play you a clip of a, of a conference that took place July 19th, just a couple days ago. How many of you know Elon Musk, who that is? Tesla. He makes Tesla automobiles. He's, he's the guy who does the rockets, SpaceX. Uh, he, in a conference, when they were talking about something called artificial intelligence, Artificial intelligence is where the spirit of this this demonic one, these forces, have been moving mankind. And what they are doing is developing computer systems that are different from the way they used to be. What they are now, in the old days, they would write a software program and the computer would obey the program of the information that was put into it. But it was just a few years ago that something happened. A shift took place in the knowledge that was being revealed to these Silicon Valley types. And they began to realize that we are limited if all we ever do is input the information into it. We need to figure out a way to create machines, if you will, or software that can write itself and learn by itself. And over the last five or six years, they have connected the entire globe. When you look at Google, what you're looking at is one of, is one of the beast systems that's controlling the world. It has grown to such proportions and has engaged in such research that it has now advanced artificial intelligence to the point where it is now beginning to think for itself. They call it the singularity. The singularity is a term that is used by astrophysicists who study the stars when they talk to you about the moment of creation when the universe exploded into being. They say that was the singularity, that was the moment that everything came into being, just like the, all they had to do was go down to Walmart and buy a Bible for three ninety five, dollars <laughs> because we know that, that, that the things that are were not made by the things that do appear, right? Yeah. There was a moment when God called everything out of nothing into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? So, But what they're beginning to realize is it's possible now because they can't even control it. They're seeing its development is occurring so rapidly. Why is that? Because they have linked all the servers, which is the brains of the Internet, they have linked them globally. And every time you're on a phone searching for something, asking for a question, buying something, going on a vacation, uh, booking a reservation, uh, getting answers and communicating, with all of this is in what? The cloud, right? And it's f- flowing at lightning speed across the globe. But what's happening is this entity that they've created, this AI, this this, uh, machine learning entity, it's gathering information at a rate that it's causing itself to grow, and they think it's possible that it's almost to the point where it's going to reach consciousness. Why is it the Bible tells us that the Antichrist will worship a God that his fathers didn't know? Now you're really scaring me. Good! (laughs) Because it's frightening. How will mankind become a temple? Elon Musk, and I'll bring you the video. I'm going to make a way somehow to, to... present this to you sometime in the next probably Thursday or Friday night, but um, yeah, it'll take a while to figure out how we're going to do this, but it's just a short clip, and I'm going to show you. He announced for the first time to the whole world two days ago, three days ago, they finally have created something that they call Neuralink, Neuralink, and they showed it, it's, it's smaller, th- it's a little chip, it's smaller than a penny, and emitting from it are 10,000 strands that they call neurons, or, 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 or those things that fire in between, they call it a synapsis between the, 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 your brain is filled with these things, and there's little gaps between them. One receives information like, the, like it seeds the other connection in your brain. It's in between there that they are about to experiment by putting these things and linking them into the very hemispheres of the brain. This is what he said yesterday, two days ago. And he says, Don't think that it's far away. He goes, Our first patients will be implanted with these devices within a year. And he says what it will do is link the human brain to the cloud, to the internet, to the whole thing. (laughs) I'm going to show you. This isn't some weirdo conspiracy theorist guy saying this. This is Mr. Musk himself, who, who funnily, or quite humorously, I should say, funnily, quite humorously, I should say, a few years ago, he was warning about AI. And when they asked him about it, he said, I have a feeling that we're summoning the demon. That's what he said. And he said, I've tried to warn everybody. I've tried to warn my colleagues in Silicon Valley. I've tried to warn governments. I've tried to warn all these people. He goes, but I fear we're calling the deep, interesting language. He doesn't even claim to be a believer. He's not, obviously. But the spirit of the Lord had him say that. Because even though somebody at his level could make such a statement, it didn't scare anybody. They they doubled down and they're going forward. We could get so deep into this that the seeds of this kind of thing were sown in, in Darwinian evolution because there are futurists who have been hired by Google that, that are proclaiming to everybody it is the next obvious leap of humanity to evolve into these super God-like creatures who will have a connection to the singularity or this godlike thing called A.I., He opposes and exalts himself above everything, even in Sweden. I don't know if you've read the article. They're having a chip implant parties. I read an article the other day where it said that they, (laughs) that that the chip manufacturers are running out of chips because they're like so into it. They have these massive parties, they have a buffet, they get drunk and they, they pay 80 bucks and they come and implant them with a chip for convenience. They can do their banking. They can open doors. They can start their car. They can open their iPhone. Implanted. Well, is that the mark of the beast? No, it's not. Because the mark of the beast will be something that will be offered to humanity. And it will separate the real church from the false. It will be an identifying thing. We'll get into that maybe as the Lord brings us forward more in the coming days. But listen, the wicked will be revealed. He's called the son of perdition, is he not? But the Lord will consume him with the spirit of his mouth. Remember what John said about the Lord? He said, I saw, and out of him goes a sharp two edged sword. Well, we know from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. What was John saying symbolically? He's going to speak the word. And all his enemies will be consumed. And his true church, before that happens, he will gather them together, will be caught up together. And only with your eyes shall you behold the desolation of the wicked. (laughs) We're going to close with this and go over these things because we're just laying a foundation right now. This is the first part. This is the introduction to the message. Something's going to remember what he's called the son of perdition, right? We know that the Bible tells us that there will be a little horn, he's called. He's known as the Antichrist. We've seen his like. John said already there's many Antichrists at his time. And we've seen their like go through the ages, whether it was the Caesars or whether it was Napoleon, whether it was Adolf Hitler or Pol Pot, or Mao, or Stalin, or all these despots and dictators. They were governed by the spirit of the Antichrist. But something has been withholding the real one from coming forward. Is it not interesting? And it has been the, the desire of the devil since the garden to take possession of a body. He could not possess Adam and Eve in their spirit or soul. So what does he? Fir- how is he first introduced to us? As a serpent. It's the only creature, but he inhabited a body. Even then, what was being prophesied is the devil is going to take the form of a body and seek to bring down the whole of humanity like he did in the beginning. And it will be given to him. Turn over to Revelation chapter 9 real quick and we'll close. Am I boring you? Praise the Lord. You learning anything? Amen. Amen. That's four of you. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you in Revelation chapter 9? Look at this. And we'll get into this more. We've just begun to walk this road, but we're going to see something incredible. Something happens. Trumpets are being sounded. Seals are broken. Trumpets are sounded. We come to the fifth trumpet in the book of Revelation. The sixth trumpet will come quickly, and in between the sixth and the seventh trumpet will be the rapture of the church but you will see what's going to happen. Remember what we've been studying tonight. When the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way by a backslidden church, it will make a way and pave a path for the revealing of the wicked one. Look what's about to happen, something profound. John is given a a glimpse of this in the book of Revelation. He says, the fifth angel sounded, and what happens? I saw a star fall from heaven. Remember when those 70 disciples came back after preaching the gospel and casting out devils and doing all that kind of stuff, and they came to Jesus and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us at your name. And what does he say to them? I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Interesting, interesting language that the Lord used. The the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This star that falls from heaven is the devil himself. He's cast out. Those days are upon us. We already can see it because of what we're witnessing. Evil is increasing quickly. This is the next thing on the horizon. He says, after the fifth trumpet is sounded, we got time to get into all that stuff, but I'm just showing you some principles here. You got to study on your own too. He said, I saw a star fall from heaven unto what? The earth. Remember what it says in Revelation chapter 12. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you knowing what? He has but a short time. Now Listen. That's what we're witnessing here. He comes down. He's cast down to the earth. And look what's given to this star that's fallen from heaven. A key is given to him. To do something. What? To open the bottomless pit. Something you rarely hear. I only heard one preacher ever talk about it. It was Pastor Reverend David Vigil. He talked about and gave us the light that he had. But but listen to what happens here. This key is given and something is talked about and revealed. There's a bottomless pit that is opened, but the key must be given to this fallen star. What does he do when he falls and is given a key? He goes to open a bottomless pit and from out of it comes the most wicked spirit known as Abaddon or Apollyon. Read verse 11 to me, brother, out loud, would you?
3: And they have a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon.
1: Yes, this is what the star that falls from heaven unlocks and is given the permission to unleash on the planet. It is an ancient spirit that comes up out of the bottomless pit. This ancient spirit gives us a hint and an indication since he has been chained there. When was he chained there? Remember Paul, we read it earlier, talked about the mystery of iniquity. What we are witnessing is a story, if you will, of truth that is now progressively being revealed to us that has its roots in the ancient timeless past before there was ever a man or a woman that walked the face of the earth. These beings were judged by God in the time that then was. And now at the end of time, this one will be unleashed by the devil himself. And turn over to Revelation chapter 17, brother, would you? And and read me verse 8, I think it is.
3: The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall
1: ascend. So that's Apollyon, Abaddon, we just read, right? It's this is ancient devil. And go into Where does he go? Into perdition. Perdition is the name of the Antichrist. Until this happens, he's just a man. But very soon, he's about to be completely taken over by this beast out of the bottomless pit, and he will be turned into the very son of the devil. Quickly, turn over to Isaiah. He goes into perdition. Didn't we just read in Second Thessalonians? He's called what? The son of perdition. Go over to Isaiah chapter 10. Real quick. I'm hurrying. We're almost done. In Isaiah, this Antichrist is called the Assyrian. Hallelujah, feel the Lord's presence. Take heed to what you're hearing. Be glad for what's being revealed so that these days will not happen to us and we'll be shocked and say, I didn't know. But we will prepare ourselves, spirit, soul, body, to live as consecrated, holy, sanctified, Remnant believers in this last time. Time is running out. Now is not the time to give in. Now is the time to double down and to seek God Almighty. You don't want to miss what's coming. A new heaven. A new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Where God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no sorrow there. We're going to see our King. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. be no crying there, we are going to see the king, there'll be no dying there, we are going to see the king, yes soon and very soon, we are going to see the king, hallelujah, hallelujah, We're going to see our king. Let's close with this. Are you in in Isaiah chapter 10? In Isaiah, he's known as the Assyrian. Listen to how God describes him. Remember what we just read. The star falls. He's given a key and the permission to unlock the bottomless pit. From it comes an ancient spirit known as Abaddon in the Hebrew, Apollyon in the Greek. Revelation chapter 17 verse 8 reveals that that spirit will go into perdition, also known as the son of perdition. He will inhabit the body of a man and he will become that son of Satan on the earth. He will be that little horn that exalts himself above all things. Remember, Paul made a distinction between the son of perdition and that wicked one. Because if you read your Bible, you'll see in Revelation chapter 20, actually chapter 19, verse, uh, verse 19 and 20, that when Jesus returns, he sends his angels to get the beast and the false prophet and cast them into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. But that old dragon will be chained for a thousand years, and the millennial reign of Christ will occur. But he will be loosed at the end, whom the Lord will destroy, and finally... All that is will be rid of the originator that sent everything into chaos. My God. Get a copy of the tape. (laughs) So listen to this. God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, he calls him the Assyrian. Why? Because that's the territory where the kingdom of Alexander the Great uh, took, took over. After Alexander died, in the book of Daniel, we're told that his kingdom would be split into four different kingdoms. The Seleucus Empire, Cassandra, Seleucus, Ptolemy, and I always forget the third one. Anybody remember the third one? Lysimachus, that's right. The four generals that would take over the territory of Alexander the Great in ancient times, who was a prefigure of the Antichrist that is to come. It is from that region of the Seleucid Empire, from where came the Assyrians, which produced Antiochus Epiphanes. Remember him? Who desecrated the second temple and put up an idol in the house of God and, and offered a pig upon the altar. He was a type of the Antichrist. And so God, by the prophet Isaiah, before any of that happened, speaks of the Antichrist in the future and addresses him as the Assyrian. And he said, but he calls him the rod of my anger. God is going to give the people what they want. But he, he hints here through Isaiah, make no mistake about it. I'm going to use him. He's under my control. And he is my correction for an ungodly backslidden church and a sin benighted world. He's the rod of my anger. And he, said, he calls him the Assyrian, and he says, uh, and the staff in their hand, it's my indignation. I'm hurrying, we ain't got time that I could spend. And look, I'm going to send him against a hypocritical nation. That's a false church. And against the people of my wrath. There is a generation of wrath. I will give him a charge to take a spoil, to take a prey, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. He's describing what the Antichrist will do. Now remember what we were just sharing with you. This one that comes out of the pit goes into this being, this, this man who will be changed and absolutely controlled, and it will be allowed to be so in order to bring about the end. Now look what he says here of him. How be it, speaking of the Assyrian or the Antichrist, He meaneth not so. What is he talking about? He doesn't think about taking over the whole world. Because he's still just a man. He meaneth not so, and neither has it entered his heart. And then there's like a pause, and then he says what? He says, and I believe this is where Apollyon enters him, but it is in his heart to destroy. The Assyrian will switch from being just a regular guy content with the authority that he has, but something's going to happen that puts in his heart destruction of the whole world. My God, you're on overload, huh? Okay. He changes. Do you see the change? verse 7 howbeit he meaneth not so he doesn't want to he doesn't want to take a spoil he doesn't want to tread down people like mire in the streets verse 6 he doesn't mean for it to be like that it's not in his heart he's not thinking that way and then all of a sudden he says but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations not a few for he says are not my princes altogether kings do you see if you know your bible what's happening here There's a change that takes place with this one. He is inhabited by this ancient spirit and suddenly becomes a destroyer of worlds. And then he begins to declare that he has princes who have now become kings. Doesn't that sound like the book of Revelation where it says that the Antichrist, the beast, shall rule with his ten kings? Look at that, real quick, and we'll close with that. Revelation 17. Remember what he said. He changes, and then he starts talking about his principalities or princes suddenly becoming kings. Oh, my God. I can hear some of you thinking. Look at this. Are you there? Again, talking about this beast, verse 11, and the beast that you saw, he was, he is not at that time, but he is of the eighth and is of the seventh, and he goeth into perdition. Are you seeing what I'm showing you? And the ten horns which you saw are what? Ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but they will receive power as kings with who? The beast. These are demonic entities that are going to be allowed to rule over territorial, geographic territories in this final global government that will be established by a false church and a wicked ruler known as the son of perdition, who is full of that ancient spirit, Apollyon. We just read it in Isaiah 10. When he changes from being someone that's not thinking to destroy, suddenly he becomes one who wants to destroy, and the first thing he says is, my princes are going to be kings. And in Revelation, it's further revealed that's exactly what happens when the beast goes into perdition. Suddenly there's ten kings ruling with him for an hour. He's coming soon. But let's close with this on a joyful note. Revelation 19. Look it. Because unto us who believe, this isn't bad news. Bring it on. (laughs) Your days are numbered. This world is coming to an end. You know it if you just stop and think about it. You hear the echo of it Passing away. The world fadeth away, the Bible says. Look at, in Revelation nineteen eleven. Can you read that, brother, again? nineteen
3: eleven. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head for many crowns. The true king. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God.
0: Hallelujah. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean.
3: That's you and me. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and he shall treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he
1: has on his vesture, keep reading. And he hath on his vesture and on his
3: thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. That ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great.
1: And? And
3: I saw the beast.
1: The what? The beast. And who?
3: And the kings of the earth.
1: And their uh, armies? And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. How insane is this! I mean, they're already setting us up telling us UFOs are coming and you know, even the government releasing films of UFOs that they've been hiding from everybody. But once the strong delusion that we read about comes upon the earth, in the end of time, they're going to gather their armies together and they're going to say, here comes the wicked aliens. But it's Jesus, hallelujah. And we're going to be right behind him, Hallelujah. He's a true leader. He doesn't send us out there. He leads the army. Hallelujah. He's God Almighty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're going to try and stop him. And then what happens? Verse 20. And the, beast was taken. the beast was taken. And with him the false
3: prophet that brought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These bulls were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with
1: brimstone. They will be taken by God himself, by Jesus himself. So you have nothing to fear. Like the old timers used to say, I read the end of the book, Mr. Devil, and we win. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Oh, such a glorious, glorious thing is awaiting us. Hallelujah. Try as he might the manifestation of everything that all humanity has cl- has wanted since the garden in their rejection of God. God in his wisdom, he hid amongst this wicked world, his children that he knew would call out to him and receive his glorious gospel and that they would be changed. Paul said, I'm going to show you a mystery. We will not all die, but there is a generation that be- shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them, the Lord, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then it says, it says, and I saw, verse 20, verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. Sounds like the devil was just given the key to unlock the door, don't it? They came and slapped his head around and took it away from him because it's back in, in a righteous angel's hand. And he takes the key. <laughs> Hallelujah. And what does he do? It's really cool. He, he lays hold on that dragon. So we've got the beast and the false prophet destroyed and that wicked, like Paul said, being destroyed. He says he lays hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. And he will bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit. And this is my favorite verse in all the the Bible. And he shut him up. (laughs) I can't wait till he quits talking to me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you glad you came tonight? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the introduction. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of thy word and for the established truth for forever.
0: Once again, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's message. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest message. And if you would like more information about our ministry or would like to give, you can visit us at www. worldharvestministries.net Thank you so much for your prayers and support and as we say here in World Harvest Ministries, keep looking up. God bless.